0: hello and welcome to the magnetically you podcast i'm your host madison Zerdike. i'm a mindset and energy coach here to help you feel your freaking best and manifest a life full of magic miracles and abundance i know that whatever led you here did not happen by coincidence so i am so excited and grateful to have you here so let's let the magic begin Welcome back to the Magnetically You podcast. I'm so thrilled for the interview today. We have Sam Laura Brown, the host of one of my favorite podcasts ever that has helped me so much, the Perfectionism project. She is so real, so relatable, and everything that comes out of her mouth, I'm like, damn, can you tell me more? <laughs> so I'm really, really excited to share her with you guys today. She is a Perfectionism coach coach, host of the top-rated podcast, The Perfectionism Project, and the founder of Perfectionist Getting Shit Done, a group coaching program for perfectionists who are building businesses. Sam teaches perfectionists how to follow through with their plans and get out of their own way in business. So welcome, Sam. I'm so excited you're here.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.
0: Yeah, thank you for being here. So I would love to start by Having you share a little bit about who you are, what you do and what, how all of this unfolded to lead you to this amazing, incredible business and impact and podcast that you have today.
1: Yeah, of course. So as you mentioned, I'm a perfectionism coach. I help perfectionist entrepreneurs get out of their own way in their business. And that has really stemmed from my own journey when I started my business as a blog in 2013. I did not know that I was a perfectionist. And I found that when I started my business, I just really put the brakes on. I was so in my own way about it in the sense that I didn't want to tell anyone about it, first of all, because that's just embarrassing. And who do I think I am that I can actually share something? So it was this shameful secret that I had and then I was posting blog posts that no one was reading because I hadn't told anyone about it. I wasn't promoting it, but I was writing these blog posts and then I would edit things that had already been published. And I would spend so much time on Pinterest graphics and all of this busy work because it felt so scary and vulnerable to go all in. And I'm not sure if your listeners will be able to relate to this, but For me, I finally felt like I was doing something that felt so true and authentic to myself in terms of sharing my personal development journey and the nerdy stuff I'm truly into, that it really felt vulnerable to be sharing that in a way that when I was studying, so I have a law and a finance degree, when I was doing that, it didn't bring up my perfectionism as much, though it was definitely still there, but I didn't really identify as being a lawyer or being someone in finance like that didn't feel like this is who I really am so it's easier and less embarrassing to fail at something that you don't really want to do but I really wanted to be in this personal development world particularly And I'd always been someone who has gravitated towards coaching others. And it just felt so scary and vulnerable to do that. So I had all of these perfectionist tendencies and we can talk about the five main ones that show up for entrepreneurs, but I had them showing up. I was so in my own way about it and I didn't realize I was a perfectionist. And so I was constantly trying to solve for my motivation problem. That's what I thought it was, that if I could just stay motivated to post consistently, to put myself out there, then I would be able to be successful. And it wasn't until I got the perfectionism piece, thanks to largely Brene Brown and also Carol Dweck, that I really was able to figure out what was going on what my thoughts were that were making me get in my own way and then how to get out of my own way. And yeah, we can dive into all of that. There's so much there, but it really has been through my own journey with perfectionism. And as I mentioned, like I didn't even think of myself as a perfectionist for the first few decades of my life. And it was only when I started my business, it really brought those perfectionist tendencies to the surface in a way that I could no longer avoid dealing with.
0: <laughs> I could not resonate more with that last part. Like it's just like, yeah, having a business has a way of like, oh, here is everything you could possibly ever need to work on and grow through and overcome yep. on a on a very heavy silver platter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I, I could not resonate more. But yeah, so much I want to get into here. Uh the first is, you know, you talked about how it felt so vulnerable. And that's something that I you know, see so powerfully in you and has been so healing for me and listening to your podcast is how open, how vulnerable you are, how transparent you are in that you still have your own struggles and you share those so openly. And like, as an outsider, it's so easy to see that it doesn't diminish your value as a coach and as a leader, right? I still, I'm able to relate so much to you with the vulnerability and then also still see you as this, really amazing experts so it's like how do you balance that that dance of embodying your expertise and being vulnerable and sharing that you're still a human and that you're not perfect
1: yeah great question I think what's really given me permission to do that is just paying attention to how I most resonate with others and Really noticing how for myself, when I listen to podcasts, where they are speaking about themselves and their own experiences and how they've been navigating that, that I love those podcasts and those episodes where people are really sharing like, hey, this is what's really going on for me. and here's what things look like as I'm trying to figure it out. And when people are presenting in a more polished expert kind of way, it's like, well, I've got it all figured out, but here's what you should do when it's that energy I don't tend to resonate with it. I kind of notice that I have my guard up in the sense that I'm like, well, they don't really know me and then like that kind of thing. But when they're talking in first person about themselves and sharing their journey and saying like, here's what's helped me, I find that I found those people who teach in that way the most helpful for myself. And so I just focus on doing that myself. And it's really been like giving me permission to do that just by noticing how valuable i find it when others are doing that and yeah to just give myself permission to share the things that i feel are boring are, are common sense are too basic because when we're in this mindset of like everything i share needs to be profound and make me sound like an expert and all of that then it tends to not really resonate or land on the other side but when i'm like i've just had this really basic thought or realization or this thing and i'm just going to share it i find that is the most helpful and my brain still wants things to look good and be perfect and all of that. And it's just learning over time just to ignore that voice. It's probably still going to be there. Um, yeah. But to ignore it and to just be willing, it depends on, obviously on what kind of business the person has and their positioning, how they want to show up and that kind of thing. But I just love the people who shared the real stuff that's going on. So I also shared the real stuff that's going on
0: for me. Oh. Same. Yeah, I definitely resonate with people just sharing the real stuff going on for them. And I, you know, I think what you said is so important. It's like when, you know, people are portraying that, like, I'm the expert, I have it all figured out. I actually think that's really detrimental for everyone. Because it's like, we develop this, like, we put people on these like pedestals, and they become separate from us. And we think they have the answers and that we don't. And ultimately, my you know, one of my deepest beliefs about coaching is that like, we all have the answers within us and coaching is Mm -hmm. a tool to support us in accessing those answers. But when we're trying to be the perfect expert, we, I think we rob people of that opportunity to be their own guru, you could say.
1: Yeah. I've just found as well, like if I tried to be like, I've, throughout the journey of my business, I've like tried all different ways of speaking about things and that whenever I'm speaking in the sense of like, you should do this or you should do that. It's so hard. And I just find it really challenging to even come up with anything to say, because then you think about, well, this person in that situation, that wouldn't apply to that. And you just kind of water things down. But I find that when I talk about myself and my experiences, I share my clients and their experiences. And I'm just going to attract in like trusting that It's going to attract the people who resonate with that. It's not going to resonate with everyone, but then I can be really specific and that's how people I hear all the time who listen to my podcast feel like I'm in their head is because their head is similar to my head and I'm just (laughs) showing what's going on in my head and I'm being willing to be specific about it because I'm talking about myself instead of if I was just trying to talk about know, here's the advice that you should follow. I just found it's so hard to give general advice because it's going to be general. So not very compelling, but also it's not going to apply to everyone. And so we have to just water it down so much so that no one could say anything bad about it.
0: I love that idea of like leaning into specificity with your own experiences and what you've gone through. Because I think it, I mean, there's been so many times in my business where I'm like, they said, I got a niche down, I got a niche down. And then I'm like, I got to be down, I got to do all the things, right? And then it doesn't feel authentic or true. And I think, like, I like you, find so much truth and authenticity and sharing from my own embodied experience authentically. And I recently um, sent an email in the last couple of months, and my emails typically get like 1% of people clicking on them. This email, Got 17% of people clicking on it. I almost did not send it because it was so vulnerable. I was talking about the shame and the fears that I experienced in my business. And I was like, oh my God, like, should I send this? And I put it in draft. So I was like, nah, 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 let's just think about it a little bit more. Let's not send it. I ended up asking my like intuition, intuition, would you have me send this email? And it was like, yes. So I'm like, okay. So send the email. And it like, is the most resonant email I've ever sent. And it was the most like scary, vulnerable one. And I don't think that's a coincidence at all.
1: Yeah. And something I'm actually, this is a bit of a tangent now, but I'm thinking about lately is uh, something a coach friend of mine posted about how sometimes the most vulnerable thing we can do is stand in our power and really like yes share the messy side and that kind of thing which I've done a lot of but also exploring like what does it look like to really just stand firm in what you believe and sharing that and yeah that's just something I'm thinking about because it is and especially with perfectionism and the people pleasing and fear of judgment and that kind of thing that yes it is vulnerable to share those struggles that we're having but I think for me like the next layer of vulnerability is like really leaning into the power that I have and creating mm. safety in feeling that way and yeah sharing that so I think it's, it's sharing both of those but yeah there's so much power in it and we're we're all human we all have these feelings and everything and I just find it on my journey it's been so comforting and relieving when someone else who especially when they're succeeding they share like hey here's what my life is actually like it just helps me feel like oh okay well nothing's gone wrong with me then
0: I love that you brought that up because I think it's so powerful to think about the other side of the coin it's like yeah own your struggles be vulnerable and own your fucking power yeah like own your gifts own your expertise like you get to do both and I think that that that's just like that feels so light in my body right now where it's like oh I don't have to be the perfect expert who has it all figured out and I also don't have to be this like vulnerable person who just like oozing struggles I get to be both I get to be the human who struggles and I also get to be the expert and they're not mutually exclusive and separate
1: yeah and not even like they're not mutually exclusive like they support each other and they're really like what helps us stand in our power is being willing to be in the messiness of it and like vice versa. And I think it's just so helpful to explore that and really notice how we can bring in more vulnerability in yes, sharing struggles and in yes, standing in our own power as well.
0: Oh, so good. I'm loving this conversation already. (laughs) So let's talk about I know you mentioned the five perfectionist tendencies that business owners fall into. So can we talk about those?
1: Yeah. First, can we talk about perfectionism and what it is? Because I oh, think yes. that <laughs> I just want to frame it with We're that because excited. Yeah, there might be people who are listening. And like I said, I thought my perfectionism stuff was motivation stuff. And once I had a word for it and not in a label of like, cool, now I'm perfectionist and perfectionism is bad and toxic and all of this. It's not about that. Perfectionism is not toxic perfectionism is just a mindset. It's just a set of thoughts. And if like I found at least when I had a word for it, I could then solve for it. But when I thought it was motivation and this kind of surface level thing that I could never fully solve, I was just spinning my wheels. But once I was like, oh, it's just perfectionism and there's a word for it. So that means other people might be experiencing it as well. So it's not just me. And now I can actually have language that then allows me to get out of my own way and like figure out how to do that so if we could talk a bit about what perfectionism is because it's so misunderstood and a lot of people then are not able to identify with it and they are not able to really explore what it looks like to release that perfectionism.
0: For sure. And I relate to that so much. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of like people who think, oh, perfectionism is just that person who spends 100 hours on the PowerPoint, like perfecting the font and perfecting the colors. And And it like can be that. But I think it's so much more. And like, you've really helped me see that even with like procrastination. My mind is like, I don't procrastinate at all. Like, no. But then when you really get to the deeper layers of it, it's like, well, oh shit. Yeah, I do. Because it's actually like the sneakiest forms where you're like doing other things or like busy work or this or that, that you wouldn't even like recognize as that. So yes, I would love if you could tell us more about like what it's not and what it is so we can have that like self-awareness because I think through that starting point of self-awareness, it's like from there we have the, the power and the freedom to start shifting and opening up so many new possibilities.
1: Yeah, so I, as I mentioned before, Brene Brown has been very influential in my own journey and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with her. She's incredible. And I love the way that she talks about perfectionism and she really allowed me to see that it is just a strategy to avoid shame. A lot of people talk about perfectionism as, and this is how I initially thought about it in my early years of thinking about perfectionism was that it's fear of failure, but it's actually fear of the emotion of shame and so perfectionism as Brene Brown describes it is this belief set this idea that if we just look perfect and do everything perfectly then we can avoid blame judgment and shame and that perfectionists really aren't perfect people like we think perfectionists are the people who actually manage to do everything perfect they're organized they're neat they're tidy. But perfectionists are people who feel ashamed that they are not perfect, and when we feel ashamed that we are not perfect, what we do, yes, we try and do a lot of perfecting, but a lot of what we do is avoiding imperfection. So that's where procrastination comes in, and particularly for perfectionists, productive procrastination, like we want to feel productive all the time. We don't like resting, and we talk about clean rest and that kind of thing, but we tend to not want to rest, We really want to be feeling productive. So we will procrastinate in these more subtle ways so that we can still feel like we're being productive, but without the vulnerability of doing something that might fail or might succeed. And in that success, we create disconnection and distance from people in our lives if we're no longer relatable now that we're so successful and different things like that. So in terms of the five signs of perfectionism, it is procrastination, overwhelm, burnout, all or nothing thinking, and fear of judgment. And that kind of covers the main ways that perfectionism manifests. And a lot of it involves withholding effort. And we can talk about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. But when we're in the perfectionist mindset, we're really thinking about effort being a sign of inadequacy. We want things to be natural and effortless and easy and to get it right right away and all of that kind of thing. So a lot of the perfectionist tendencies are actually ways to avoid putting a full effort in. So procrastination is a great example of that. If we procrastinate and leave something until the last minute, we get to protect our potential because we can say, well, you know, I would have done better if I hadn't done it at the last minute. And a lot of us, we do well at the last minute. We get the result that we want, even though we haven't, fully experience our best work yet because we haven't even given ourselves the chance to get it done ahead of time but we live in this paradigm of well I would have done better if I'd tried harder and we get to feel extra smart if we do it at the last minute and we did well because then we can think well imagine how well I would have done if I'd tried my hardest and so it's this whole construct so that we can feel smart we can feel worthy we can feel lovable And it's so human to feel that way. And a lot of us, very smart, intelligent, we're praised for being that way. So it feels like our lovability is connected to our intelligence. And so when it comes to business, which is a field related to intelligence, that we don't wanna look silly. We don't wanna look like we're trying really hard and it's not working. So we'll be doing a lot of stopping and starting, and all of those different kinds of things to avoid the vulnerability that comes with the feeling of having put in a full effort and it not going as planned. Oh
0: yeah. That just resonates like so much. And I think it's like so sneaky, like our brains will come up with the most clever and creative and sneaky ways in like, In good faith to try to protect us from this shame that our mind believes is so bad and so painful. And what I like to remind myself of is that the worst thing that can ever happen in any scenario ever, well, obviously you could die, but like putting that aside, the worst thing that could happen is an emotion. And when you're mm-hmm. willing and able to feel and experience your emotions, and you realize that you aren't them, you don't have to react to them, and they don't mean everything about you. And then, and when you're in really high emotions, you don't have to believe all of the thoughts that your brain is telling you. You realize that, oh, I can just like have this emotional wave, experience it, allow it to feel through and pass through, and then operate not from that emotional reaction to shame. But from okay, now I've felt this and now I can really operate from I think you you know, you would call it like your future self, your higher self.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Feeling emotions is such an important part of this and it's something that we often like to just skip over and know I want the strategy, I want the like how to steps and really getting comfortable, like trusting ourselves to be okay with feeling our emotions and that we're not gonna get swallowed up by them and things like that and And knowing as well, like for me, I've just, when I've gotten present to shame for me is just like a hot face and like my heart rate up a bit. And like it's, yes, it's an emotion, but also when I really get clear on the physical sensations, it just helps remind my brain that it's not so bad. Like it feels really painful to think about shame I think uh, there have been studies on like shame is a physically painful emotion but I think a lot of that pain is like our bracing ourselves for the shame and when we just can cleanly process it and have that shame resilience and just be able to speak our shame in like with someone that it's a it's a safe environment to do that and we're able to just let it go through us it's really not so bad but when we're trying to avoid shame and often for perfectionists we shame ourselves so much so like we're not avoiding it's like not an effective strategy to avoid shame we spend so much more time in shame. the whole time
0: we're shaming
1: ourselves yeah we're shame we're beating ourselves up we should have done it differently or better or whatever so it's just ironic <laughs> the way that it works but it's been so helpful for me to just recognize how that sensation feels in my body and that shame is really just a thought and that also shame is so universal. Um, I love the saying, what's most personal is most universal. That's another belief that helps me share what I'm going through because I'm like, well, if this feels super personal, then I know it's going to be something that a lot of other people can resonate with. So the same with shame and like all humans, experience that emotion. There's no getting out of it. And that's not a problem. And we don't need to go to these great lengths to avoid it. But I think another part of perfectionism and releasing, I like to call it your perfectionism handbrake, is knowing that just because you know better doesn't mean that you should just automatically be out of your own way. And I think with perfectionism, this is why I'm so passionate about talking about it, is that people like, just remember nobody's perfect and all these kind of mantras and a lot of Like anytime I come across pretty much any podcast episode about perfectionism, it's always this kind of like, don't try to be perfect. Why are you trying to be perfect? No one's perfect. And I was always so frustrated. I was like, so a, I, was like, like, like I know. It's not trying
0: to be perfect. It's like, well, fuck. I've <laughs> already done that. Like, thanks.
1: Yeah. And so what I really help people with is like, what does it actually look like in practice to release your perfectionism and to get into that growth mindset and really speaking to the practical strategies and things we can do instead of just, you know, preaching about, well, nobody's perfect. So stop trying. I was just always so frustrated because I was like, I know, and I'm still over here trying to be perfect and avoid imperfection. So what do I actually do? And so yeah, what I teach is what to actually do. And yeah, I hope it's helpful for people, but it's it's really all about trying to avoid shame. And when we can be like, oh, it's just my brain trying to protect me. It's doing its job. And also that strategy of perfectionism served us. Like that's why it can feel so challenging and unsafe sometimes to let it go because we've done pretty well. There are people in our life who like think we're successful and love us and all these things and we can start to make that connection that we are loved because of the perfectionism and because of being smart and being intelligent, all these things. So we need to keep doing that instead of realizing that it's despite that, not because of it. And once we can start to recognize that it is despite those perfectionist tendencies that we've been successful and we can create emotional safety around letting it go and letting ourselves succeed and letting ourselves fail and trusting ourselves to feel whatever feelings are on the other side of that or in the process of that, uh, then so much opens up. And as we've talked about, like business is such a great tool for all of this. <laughs> like I love not just like intellectually thinking about perfectionism and how to get out of your own way, but using your business. And particularly I teach people how to use planning as a tool to get you done and also at the same time get out of your own way and show up fully
0: oh so good so what do you do when a difficult emotion comes up or like a shame spiral comes up and there's something triggering that happens in your business maybe a launch didn't go the way you really wanted it to go or something like that and you're in the emotions like what do you do when that's coming up
1: Yeah, well, I'm not perfect at it, but an example that I I will share um, is with my podcast and especially like whenever you're doing something that really feels like you, it is going to be the easiest to feel shame about that because it's easy to have thoughts about there being something wrong with us. It's, it's, as I mentioned, if we're doing something we don't really care about, like when I was working full-time in accounting, if someone was like, you're a bad accountant, okay, cool. I don't really think of myself as an accountant. I'm not really hurt by that. But when it's something we really feel like is us, then it can just feel like, I don't know, more of like a a real attack on who we are and that kind of thing. So anyway, with my podcast, I share, as I mentioned, a lot of stuff. I'm really myself on my podcast. And so I was looking at reviews and like up until the point that this happened, I'd only had positive reviews and it was always like, oh, this is great. And everyone's like, I love the podcast. And then I was checking in and there were two reviews That were like one star, and it was like, This is rambly. And basically, like, especially this is where it happens the most is if someone reflects back to us the shameful thoughts that we have about ourselves. So, like, Oh, this is rambly, this doesn't make sense. And I just felt like I just remember it so clearly sitting at my laptop and seeing it, and just my like that heavy feeling in the pit of my stomach, and my face just got like so hot, and I could feel this like sensation in my chest, and I just felt like this wash of shame come over me and I was actually at the time at my part-time job when that happened so I wasn't in a place to like process I just kind of like let it be there and I actually what I did which was so helpful is I immediately um, messaged a couple of friends that I knew would be able to hold a space for me and I just was kind of like hey I've just gotten this feedback and I don't even know exactly what I was expecting to hear or like what I hope to hear probably something affirming but I was just like I feel really ashamed and I think just like letting yourself call it that and naming it that and it just instead of it being like my little secret that I'd received these bad reviews to just share it with someone was so helpful so I messaged them and I was like this is just, you know, what's happened. And I just like feel really ashamed about it basically. And then when I got home, so this is why I'm not perfect at it. Steve, um, who's about to become my husband and my fiance, he, uh, I got home and I just basically like went to our room and was very quiet. And he's like, what's up? I was like, nothing I'm fine he's like no you're not because you're normally very chatty and you're not chatting at all and then I just like let myself cry I was like these are the reviews I got and bless him he was like well I don't listen to your podcast but I'm sure it's great and like um but he just let me cry about like I just was like I just need to cry like I just need to like let that feeling come up and be with it for as long as it needs to be there without an agenda It's really important when we're processing shame. It's If we're doing it with an agenda of it feels horrible and I'm going to let myself feel it so I can get out of this feeling, it's going to hang around. But if it's like I'm just willing to be with this feeling and let it be present in my body for as long as it needs to be there, then that's when we can really process it. So I just cried and let myself feel that. And it was just for me as well, that was such an informative experience because previously I wouldn't have told anyone about the reviews. I probably would have kept checking back to see if there were more coming and it just would have become this like dirty little secret that people thought I wasn't good at it or whatever. And I would have just like let that shame fester. And Um, When it comes to shame resilience, I love that Brene Brown talks about speaking the shame and to do that in a vulnerable way, to not do that in like a ha ha, look at these bad reviews kind of way, because that's not vulnerable. And to not necessarily do it with like people that are just going to like hype you up and be like, oh, no, it's amazing. But to just if there's someone if there isn't someone that we have in our life that will hold the space for us to just even write about it in your journal and that kind of thing or if people resonate with recording things like for yourself just recording something maybe like a voice note for yourself to just voice it and to do that in a vulnerable way and of course that requires courage because it could be that we do that and someone's like well yeah I've been meaning to tell you that that's okay and like we're kind of open to that but uh, yeah it's really about being willing to speak it and to name it and to let it be in our body for as long as it needs to be there and to know as well that it's a practice, that it's not like, well, now I know about this, that that's what I should do every single time. It's really just having grace with yourself and compassion with yourself. And when you do identify that you are feeling ashamed about something, to then voice it, as I said, it could be in your journal, it can be with someone else that you trust, And to let yourself experience the shame because the more often we let ourselves actually experience shame instead of avoiding it, our brain starts to realize that it isn't dangerous to feel shame. Because our brain's like, Shame is the fear of disconnection. So our brain is like, disconnection is death. If I'm disconnected from others in the tribe, I'm going to die. Shame is like the cue that that's happening. I don't want to be in shame. But the more and more we can be in it, that's when we can really be growth minded about things and have a really high tolerance for failure and be really resilient when we can start to really understand like in our bodies that shame is an okay feeling to experience and that we're not going to die when we feel <laughs> shit. <laughs> because our brain literally thinks that it literally thinks shame, like yeah. is the sign that I'm about to die. So yeah, it's it's something that you can intellectually understand, but it, it really is about doing it and knowing it in your body. And that comes with practice and courage and a lot of repetition.
0: Yeah. And it's never permanent. Like I think yeah. when we're in it, it feels like so permanent. It feels like this is the biggest thing ever. It's never going to go away. And I, you know, really didn't start feeling and experiencing my emotions for, uh, hardly at all until the last like two years. Like, oh, what yeah. is this emotion thing? And, you know, the more you are like open up to and allow them, you realize that like they're never permanent. And my brain still likes to tell the story. I've been for two years, I feel like I've just been allowing and releasing emotions. And yet when I still have a really big one come up, I will, you know, when I know that if I pause, if I go into breathing, if I go into my body, where am I feeling this and actually feel it, it will always pass. But my brain still likes to tell the story. (laughs) This is not going to work. This one's too big. This is not going to pass you're stuck with this and it's just like okay just breathe and then I just always come back to okay just like literally keep feeling it keep breathing keep feeling it keep breathing it and my brain's like this is never gonna go away this is never gonna go away and then somehow if you stick with that process of having that awareness of the sensations in the body and you really go into the body rather than the head mm-hmm. it dissipates every time and then on the other side it's such a gift that feeling on the other side of actually having allowed yourself to feel it like you probably felt after that experience crying with Steve about the reviews you probably felt so much better so much more free yeah and I still felt like exhausted from all the crying and all
1: of that but I just felt so much yeah like so much lighter and just like I had my own back and It's such a great feeling to be in that and that really is only available to us when we are willing to experience any emotion and yeah, that's something I've been working on a lot as well is really practicing naming how I'm feeling. I like to go to more my thoughts and like what am I thinking and working on that side of things but also looking at like what am I feeling and getting in tune with that and I've been looking at um, like you can, if you Google feelings wheel, there are these Charts that have all these different names of the emotions. And I found that really helpful when I'm like, I don't actually know how I'm feeling right now, especially if I'm not feeling in a particularly heightened or low kind of energy. I'm just like, day to day, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm feeling. And I've just been practicing, like, going to that feelings wheel as basic as that sounds and like I love, love it the feelings and seeing like okay like kind of trying them on like is that how I'm feeling not really or oh, is that how I'm feeling just to have that vocabulary so then once you can name it and identify it, it's so much easier to process a feeling or to really harness a feeling when you know what that feeling is instead of this vague like good or bad which is when perfectionists, we tend to think in all or nothing. And we also very judgmental. So it's like good. And this this was a huge realization around this for me. Good is not a feeling. So often, I'd be like, how are you feeling? Good. Like I just really was thinking like good is a feeling to feel good. And when I was like, huh, like on this feeling wheel, I mean, it says bad on the feelings wheel as well, which I would tend to disagree that like bad is a feeling, but good isn't anywhere on that feelings wheel. There's like all these different words for like positive emotions, positive vibrations that we can experience, but good wasn't there. And to recognize good isn't a feeling. So if I'm telling myself I'm feeling good, if I hear myself saying to someone else, I'm feeling good to just like check in with myself and think, what am I actually experiencing? Like how am I actually feeling? If I couldn't call it good, and that as well has just Really helped me to have a bit of a richer emotional life and to just be more in tune with that because it has felt unsafe and scary in a lot of ways to be fully in touch with my emotions. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. Um, that we've all had different experiences where it feels like if we really let ourselves go into our emotions or we express them or we let other people see us experiencing our emotions, then we're not safe. And to have it, just a word for it. Even if it's a very basic word, I've just found it to be really helpful. And then that gives me as well more access to naming the feelings when it's not a like positive feeling.
0: Yeah, it's so helpful. And that's actually something that in my first um, therapy session with my current therapist a few uh, weeks ago, she asked me at the end of the session, like, how are you feeling right now? And I was like, oh, uh, 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 well, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. She was like, okay, here's this feeling wheel go I look <laughs> at it and tell me how you feel. And then I was like, Oh, I didn't even like really, I wasn't able to articulate that. It was actually like frustration and anger and these feelings that I probably would have said like, no, I'm not, well, not me. I don't have those right now, but I did. And it was like, as soon as I like identified them on the wheel, there was this like sense of release and letting go. And I actually uh, pulled this, card from my Oracle deck today. And it said, joy is flowing emotion. And it didn't say joy is the good Mm. emotions, the happy emotions, bliss, whatever, ecstasy, joy is flowing emotion. So it doesn't mean you're only having good emotions. It means you're having whatever emotion you're having, and you're allowing it to flow and move. And that is like the ultimate experience of because it's like we can't get rid of emotions we are humans and it's like the less that we resist them and the more we allow them it just becomes like this they they aren't as bad there's like there's like this emotion and then we layer on top of all the shame and judgment and bad and when we remove all those extra layers it's like oh just literally it's just a sensation in my body
1: yeah and just to bring it back to perfectionism and just to really underline like talking about emotions perfectionism is a strategy to avoid shame and so a lot of times like say with procrastinations an easy example there's a lot of procrastination advice out there about how to stop and not much of it is centered around getting okay with feeling however you're feeling like all of this kind Ooh. of thing and it's just all these like surface level strategies of like use an internet blocker and that kind of thing and what we're talking about is how to release that perfectionism and what that actually looks like and as I mentioned I teach that through planning and um, it's called power planning and using that as a tool to develop self-trust and part of self-trust is learning to trust yourself to be okay no matter how you're feeling and it's so important to just recognize I know I'm just I don't know projecting here maybe but When I had previously heard conversations about emotions, I'm like, nope, not for me. I'm very action oriented. I just want like the tips, the practical strategies, the how tos. Gotta get you done. And once I really opened up to like, okay, emotions are important, and the whole like, I wouldn't need all these action tips and strategies if I was willing to feel however I was feeling. that that was when things really started to open up for me. And as I've said, I'm still very much on this journey. I think we all are for our entire lives. And that's the beautiful thing about it. It's not all or nothing. Like you either have complete mastery over this and the benefits of it, or you're still figuring it out and therefore you have no benefit of it. It's really like every bit of progress that we can make with being more connected and in tune with ourselves and experiencing our emotions, the benefits of that are, I don't know about your experience, but in mine, like so dramatic and profound, it's not all or nothing. And I think it's just important to mention that too, because with perfectionism, with feeling your feelings, it's easy to think like, oh cool, now I have this whole mountain of work to do. And it can feel very overwhelming. But it's like even if you make just like a one percent um bit of improvement or progress with your relationship with yourself and that kind of thing. Like the impact of that is tenfold and then some like it's really not about having to get all the way there before you experience any of the the benefits from doing this work
0: yes it's like one small shift and I'm sure people yeah. listening have already had that just through listening today it's like one small shift that you've had and your thinking and your feeling and your action today can like literally completely transform your life and that's just one. And that is why I love coaching so much because it's yeah, like me too. get to have those like ones <laughs> all the time and they just add up and compound to so much expansion and, and so much good. Can I, want I say to, oh, as well? Yeah. Oh,
1: sorry, I was just going to say on that note, okay. something that we haven't mentioned yet about perfectionism that I think is really important. I've mentioned briefly how it's not toxic and just recognizing perfectionism, like, yes, it might be a, pattern a tendency that we've had usually since we were children but it's coming from our present day thoughts and that is something that has been so helpful for me to recognize because what tends to happen when a perfectionist realizes they're a perfectionist and hears about all the stuff it's like oh my goodness now I have to like relive all this childhood trauma (laughs) I have to go back and get to the root of things I have to like uncover all of this and there's definitely a time and a place for that kind of work and if we can recognize perfectionist tendencies, for example, procrastination, all or nothing, thinking like anything that's having us get in our own way, that is coming from how we were thinking today. And yes, our brain might be very, very familiar with that thought because it's had it a lot of times, but it's coming from our thinking today and that allows us to take ownership over it and responsibility for it instead of, oh, well, it's because my uncle or my Parent or whoever talked to me a certain way, or it's because of the school teachers, or what? Like, it's very easy to just blame. Well, this person praised me in this certain way, or whatever. That's why I'm a perfectionist. To be like, hey, it's actually like that way of thinking served me when I I was a child and I needed others to look after me because I couldn't yet look after myself. Now I'm an adult and I can recognize as well that how I'm acting today is coming from how I'm thinking today. And it's possible to change those thoughts. It just makes it, in my experience, and with my clients, like it's so much lighter and more approachable. Than like I need to get to the root of it. The root is where humans we want to be connected to everyone. Shame is to feel it, fear of disconnection. It's human to feel shame. Like when we're like, oh, the root, like the root is we don't feel good enough, for whatever reason. But it's like we all have the same root, being a human. And when we can just recognize, oh, it's a thought pattern that I have today that is making me get in my own way, that's making me people please or be scared of judgment or procrastinate or feel overwhelmed, then it's just so much easier for us to release that handbrake and make the changes we want to instead of feeling like, well, my childhood had to be different for me to be different today.
0: Yeah, and then we're no longer a victim to the past. We actually like, are realize that we have the power. All of our power is in the now. We cannot go back and change. Anything, yeah. but we do have the power in this moment. So I love bringing it back to that. And I think that just like opens up so much to remember that, like, oh yeah, my power is right here, right now in this moment.
1: Yeah. And like, there's no deep, dark root that we have to like uncover. And yeah, as I said, there's a time and a place for sure to look at your past. But we also want to just be focused on how we're thinking today and how we can change our thinking like you said with coaching it's just like what's one thought that you could have that's different that will have a dramatic impact and what's one thought that you already believe that you just haven't been thinking as often as these other thoughts that you could be having so yeah I just wanted to mention that because yeah. a lot of time like oh now I realize I'm perfectionist, and it's so bad to be perfectionist, so and now I need to get to the root of it like that's not the case at all.
0: Yeah, and digging for the root, I feel like can often be, perf- or not perfectionism, procrastination. Yeah, right? 100%. If I'm looking and looking and looking and looking, <laughs> and looking and looking for this root, then I do not have to look at how I'm feeling right now or how I'm thinking right now. And I get to just like devote all my energy into this root and avoid everything else that- I'm actually experiencing
1: right now (laughs) yeah like I talk about procrastinate learning which is learning as a form of procrastination and it kind of relates to that it's like procrastinate self-development kind of thing that we are just using it as something to keep us busy so we don't have to go and do the courageous scary thing that we need to do or the tedious challenging thing or whatever it is that we just kind of stay busy with like well I just need to get to the root of it and then I can figure things out instead of being like well actually maybe it's just how I'm thinking today and I can do the thing and show up today and put myself out there like that feels so scary so like no no no. I'll just do all this work and do all these personal development courses (laughs) and also should probably do some Instagram marketing courses and all these different things and we just keep ourselves really busy instead of just getting shit done and doing the thing and learning how to have our own back and have courage as we're in action.
0: Oh, yes. So good. And I know that we don't have too much time left. So I want to think about like the other questions I wanted to yeah. ask you. I'm going to I'm gonna look at my list and I'm just going to be vulnerable and take a pause here and really think about yeah. what I want to say because I want to have an intentional um, question that's meaningful for me and everyone listening. Ooh, Okay this is one I definitely wanted to ask you. So what's something in your business that used to feel really hard, but now Mm -hmm. feels quite easy? And what what shifted? What changed?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I would say something just because top of mind, because we're recording this, would be recording podcast episodes or being interviewed or like being on camera or that kind of thing. That that is something that, for sure, like it's it's so crazy when you normalize something, it just feels like you've always felt a certain way about it. But for example, with podcasting, I just, I was such a big fan of podcast. Like that's how I got into business was listening to business, business podcasts, And I always just thought like, I could never do that. Like that, no, like I could never do that. It's going to be horrible and no one would ever listen. And I can't just like, cause especially with podcasting, you just like have to give yourself permission. There's no podcasting police, and like <laughs> just decide to start and you start. And that was something that it's not so much that recording the episodes themselves was hard because once I gave myself permission to do that, I it's probably obvious have a lot to chat about, and and just decided that my podcasting format was going to be long form, me chatting, no editing, um, which has really helped actually. Things like this feel so easy to me because I'm so used to recording without things being edited out. And so I'm not used to, you know, saying things over and over and over again to get it right. I just say it and trust that it's going to be what it needs to be and move on. But giving myself permission to start that was something that was really big. And it felt so hard before I gave myself permission. And I was just thinking about it and uh, all of that kind of thing. And then once I actually let myself start, and I, My brain still tells me like to about at least 50% of the episodes, that was shit, don't upload that. And I just upload it anyway and I keep moving. Um, But that is something that now feels easy. And yeah, in terms of what changed, because I think as well, like when I was early in the days of recording, it did feel hard, but it was my beliefs that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know who I'm helping, which like... It's so fun listening back to my early episodes. I'm talking about the exact same things I talk about today. I just changed my belief from I don't know what I'm talking about to I do know what I'm talking about. So I think that belief Mm -hmm. and I have actually written behind me um, or in front of me on my whiteboard that I have in my office, it just says be insanely helpful and invite them in as the marketing strategy. And then my beliefs that create that is I know what I'm doing. I know how to help them. I'm talking to the people who want me to help them and a few other things related to that. And then how I feel, like how I want to feel. And I have about 20 emotions listed there to just like remind my brain, (laughs) this is what we are focused on generating and to just pay attention and process when I'm not in one of those feelings. But yeah, that belief of I know what I'm doing, it feels like, well, once I get more qualifications or I have More clients or more customers or more testimonials. Like, we can really deny ourselves of that experience of knowing what we're doing. And I'm not a certified life coach. Like, I'm not, I don't have like all of these. Like, I have a law degree and a finance degree, but I don't have any like certifications around that. And I think it's easy to be in this mindset of like, well, I need all of this external validation validation to think the thought that I know what I'm doing and we can think that thought and it's never going to deny us of learning more. I think we can think if I think I know what I'm doing, I'm not going to learn anything. I need to be more so thinking like I don't know what I'm doing so I can figure it out. But when we believe I know what I'm doing, that creates more of us knowing what we're doing. And if we need to get education or whatever, we're going to do that more so when we're in the belief of I know what I'm doing
0: versus I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I love that. And something that, you know, I like a few months ago, I was having a lot of imposter syndrome coming up, that feeling of like, I don't know what I'm doing at all. I do not know absolutely anything. They're going to find me out. And what came through like so clearly from my like intuition, higher self, inner voice, whatever you want to call it, was that it's the like thought that you don't know what you're doing is literally just a thought. Like it is mm-hmm. not a fact. It is not yeah. truth. It is not necessarily based in reality. Like it's just a thought. And that was so frank for me to remember of like, oh, my brain is just having a thought to protect me, but I don't have to buy into that thought. And it doesn't mean it's true.
1: Yeah. And like I still, like our brains will still generate that thought. And it's just a matter of, learning not to listen to it rather than we think, well, I need to wait for that voice to completely go away and then I'll believe in myself. And maybe if I like get this qualification or have this many number of clients or this revenue, then it will go away. It's like, well, what if it's going to be there the whole time? Because from what I've heard from people who are insanely successful by by all metrics, (laughs) it doesn't go away. It's just our human tendency to have that thought. Uh, But knowing that we don't need to listen to it and react to it. We can just kind of let it be there in the backseat and be like, cool, I hear you. And also this is something that's really helped me with the emotional work is to think about, and I don't know if there's something you talk to, but uh, like your inner child and thinking about when we're in those emotions, like what you would say to a child who was in that emotion. And I noticed it for myself, a lot of times I had really been dismissive Like, no, you shouldn't be feeling that way. Or, like, holy fuck, yes, like, you should freak out. You should totally freak out. This isn't going to work. And when I was like talking to myself, like, hey, I see you. I understand why you'd feel that way. And I've got your back. And like that kind of thing, it's like the acknowledgement and the acceptance of it being there without it, like, without saying, okay, now to the child, now you drive the car because I have no idea what I'm doing. It's just like, I see you, I have your back, we're going to be okay. And even if things don't turn out how we want them to, it's not like this dismissive, like things will be fine, things will be fine. Because we all know like if you're a child and you're really scared of something and an adult tells you it's going to be okay, like you'll be fine, don't worry about it, you shouldn't be scared. That doesn't help you be less scared. But if they say like, hey, I know this is scary, I know you might be experiencing that, but let's explore this. Like, here's what's going on. And, you know, this thing could happen. And even if that happened, we'd be okay. Like it's that kind of tone that really helps us to be in that feeling. And I really had that experience, uh, like an experience that embodied and like showed that to me when I was pregnant and I had fallen over, like tripped over And I was like freaking out about like wondering if the baby's okay and just like, and he's a paramedic, but he was also just like, I think you're okay, but if you want to go to the hospital and have it, have the baby checked out, we can go to the hospital. And it was just this kind of like, he wasn't like, oh my God, is the baby okay? Is the baby okay? Is the baby okay? And he wasn't like, you'll be fine. She'll be fine. The baby will be fine. It was just like, hey, I think like we're going to be okay here but like, what's coming up for you? How do you want to handle this? And then from that, I was like, oh, cool. I would like to go to the hospital and we could just do that. And there was no like drama around it. But, you know, so often we just dismiss ourselves and how we're feeling or we like feed into it and make ourselves feel so much worse. So I think that's a really important part of all of this is being able to talk to ourselves in that really compassionate way. And for me, I've just found it helpful to think about like, how would I talk to a child, say like a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old who is feeling that way and what would actually land with them and to practice speaking to myself that way. And it's been so helpful and I'm not perfect at that by any stretch, but just being aware of it and practicing that um, has really helped me feel okay with feeling how I'm feeling and not to dismiss it or feed into that and be like, holy shit yes we should totally freak out because we have no idea what we're doing at all it's like okay you're thinking you don't know what you're doing but let's have a look at like how it might be true that you do know what you're doing and like that kind of energy I've just found really helpful and really needed yeah yeah
0: so powerful instead of going into the complete dismissal or the complete adding fuel to the fire it's like how can we come in with understanding and compassion it's like giving yourself that like validation of like, oh, I'm allowed to feel this way. And that I feel like just takes off so much of the weight already. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, how would you speak to a child? It's like, you wouldn't tell them like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you should have figured this out by now. You should be farther along by now. Like, no, of course not. You would see them for the perfection that they are in this moment. And it's like, how can we begin to see ourselves in that way? And I think that's such a beautiful practice of of giving that gift to ourselves, of like, well, what would I say to a child who was experiencing this? A sweet, loving, innocent child who I see as this perfect being. So I love that. Yeah. What's something? I have two more questions for you. What's something that has been challenging for you recently?
1: Oh, I've just I, so many things I can share. Um, but I have just actually release a whole podcast series on it, but I, for the last PGSD launch, so my program is perfectionist getting shit done. I was doing the work to create all the launch content ahead of time. And I did that. And that would just, I mean, I can't summarize. It's literally like five hours of podcast episodes relating to this. So if anyone's interested, head over to my podcast. Um, but they're great. I've
0: been listening. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just learning for me, like something that I've been working on and paying attention to is a feeling of entitlement in my business. And I think this is something that I would say pretty much any entrepreneur can relate to when we allow ourselves to be okay with it being entitlement, because I think there's a lot of judgment that we have around other people being entitled and around calling ourselves entitled. It's not something like, Hey, I've just realized I'm entitled. That's amazing. But when we have thoughts like I should be further along or I shouldn't have to do that or they should be signing up, those are thoughts of entitlement. And so I just, through that experience, notice, and this relates back to what I was talking about at the beginning, when we procrastinate and leave things to the last minute that we think, you know, well, I would have done better if I'd done it early. And if we do well, we think, well, imagine how well I would have done it. It's just this whole way that we protect our potential. And we get to think like, imagine what if, instead of actually seeing what if. And so in this, I actually like let myself see what if, and it was so interesting that because I had had that story for so long that I would have done better if I did it early than when I did do the work early, I had this entitlement that, well, I did it early, so it should be Mm. successful. And it was so interesting because during that launch, I really felt like I was in this like committed belief. That was my experience and going through that and, and having the insight, like looking at the feelings we after and all these different things. I realized that to me, I was actually feeling entitled and I hadn't yet been able to distinguish how those felt. So I'm so glad that now I can feel the difference that entitlement comes from a thought that has the word should in it usually. And when we're in belief and commitment and those feelings that we really do want us want to be driving our business and our business decisions, it's more about thinking about our client and their experience instead of this should be happening or I shouldn't have to do that. And so that was something that I have been working on and now I'm just paying attention to like where is this coming up for me in business and practicing like dropping that and like not having any shame about it that I'll like, I shouldn't be feeling entitled and how embarrassing or whatever. Just being like, oh, that's just a thought. Like, it's just a thought. And now that I've seen that, I can instead be focused, like redirect my intention to, okay, let's have a think about the person on the other end, which obviously we're always thinking about, but it's also easy to get caught up in what we're thinking about ourselves and how we're looking and how we're succeeding or not succeeding and all of that kind of thing. But to just bring it back to the person that I'm helping, helping them. And uh, yeah, just being really present with that and yeah, just not thinking like, well, I did the work early, so they should sign up. Or I think this was really wise, the thing I said or whatever. So that should have more engagement or things like that to just be like, actually, what's the most helpful thing that I could share? And how can I make sure I'm inviting them into PGSD, which is where they can get the most help with their perfectionism and just being focused on that. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's something that's really been top of mind for me and I've really been exploring and working on.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up. I was talking about that with my friend the other day, the thought, the very thought I should be farther along because Mm -hmm. I've had that thought so many times. Every single one of my clients has had that thought. And it's, I think for me, probably the thought that has brought me the most Pain and shame in my business and life, like ever. I'm like that. That if I could pin down the one thought yeah. that like brings me the most like distress, it would be that one. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's so powerful. Like what you said, I want to um, practice that with you. Of notice when that comes up, practice dropping it and recognizing it's just a thought, and then redirect my focus to my clients and my service. And when we like when I let go of the I should be farther along, it's like. Oh, it's like an ice it's like everything is literally fine and it is what it is like yeah we just allow it to be what it is so I'm so glad you brought that up
1: yeah I think like that's something that in my program and with my clients is something that we're often talking about this belief that I should be further along I should be making more money by now I should have more clients or customers by now I shouldn't have to be working in a job or I shouldn't have to like there's all these ideas that we have about what should be happening. And it's just so interesting that when we're in that belief, we deny ourselves actually creating the experience that we want. Like when we're busy thinking I should be further along, the result of that is that we don't get further along because we're so busy. Often like if say are if thinking I should be further along, we're probably not showing up and doing the things that we need to be doing to build the business. Maybe people are spending time scrolling through Instagram or comparing themselves to other businesses or learning another Instagram strategy or whatever that looks like. And we just perpetuate being where we are and not being further along whilst also recognizing, obviously, further along, behind, ahead, all of that is just this construct that we've created. And it's so interesting whenever we're like, so where exactly should I be? that we don't know <laughs> which is here but where should I be huh? like if it was like okay you should be further along so like for example in, in terms of money so exactly how much money should you be making by now and it's like well maybe like that like when it's so rare that we're like exactly yeah, like is the
0: 500 or is it 501,000 or is it 502 or is it like at what point do you reach the tipping point where you don't think you should be farther along and it's like that's the insidious thing about it. It's like, you're, you're always here. You're always in the now and there is always there. So if you're like, I should be there, you never are there because it's not here. Yeah. Something
1: that really helps me with this is when I zoom out and I like look at my life big picture and I think about, so I'm 31 and I think about, okay, I'm 31. I've been coaching now for a few years, but like if I have literally more than my current lifetime ahead of me as a coach. It just is like, what like, it just, to me, just the question then becomes like, uh, this is all just a journey. And like, why would I want to think that at 31, I'm at the pinnacle of my career. Like this idea that like, I, it's really coming from this lack of trust that we have in ourselves that we will get there. So we're in a rush because we yeah. don't trust our future self to get there. So we need to get there now so we can feel that sense of relief because we don't know if it's going to happen. But when it's really like, I know I'm going to get there. Like, I know like 90 year old me on the rocking chair is going to be like, slow down, honey. It's all okay. And not in this <laughs> passive, like, just stop trying, and go and, you know, watch Netflix and whatever. It's like, it's like, we all know when your future self gives you the advice, it's almost always, it's going to be okay. Just be yourself and show up. Like, it's always some flavor of that. And so being able to zoom out, and this is why I love like the future self stuff that I find it so helpful with this, like I should be further along that when I zoom out and think like 90 year old me, it's just funny to be like, would I even remember exactly where I am in terms of the business at, like in this exact month of this exact year, like it it really, um, it's so significant, like our present day life is our life. And also at the same time, it's not, and just being able to like live in that paradox of like, it's everything and it's nothing. I don't know if this is making any sense, but I just For find it sure. really helpful to zoom out and be like, oh, like I'm just warming up. Like, this is just like the pre-show kind started. of thing. Just yeah. getting started. Like I find that that's really helpful instead of thinking like, well, you should be at this certain checkpoint at this age and all of that that's just made up. And a lot of those ideas that we have are like made up by unhappy people as well. It's not like these ideas are made up by, like these are the happiest people in the world and here's what their criteria is for where you should be at what age and where you should be in terms of business revenue or whatever. It's just, I know it's one of these things that we're like, yeah, but I still find myself thinking I should be further along. And I find for me, it's just like when I have that thought, knowing my brain's probably going to keep having that thought. Maybe one day it'll stop, great. But if I can just in that moment, zoom out and get that perspective I find that really helpful and to just be focused on like if you zoom out there's going to be this upward trend but in the moment it's going to be like ups and downs and ebbs and flows and all of that which is a beautiful thing and then when you zoom out it is going to be this incredible trajectory but in the moment we often like don't feel how much we're growing because we're in the midst of it and I know like when I look back at past me, who was thinking she should be further along. I'm like, oh, I was exactly where I needed to be. And also with like all the perfectionism stuff I'm talking about, if I hadn't been so severely in my own way, especially my first three years of business, I wouldn't be able to talk to anything that I've spoken to today. I had to like experience that and like be in that. And that has really allowed me to be where I am now. But it was so easy to be like, no, I should already be successful immediately, and I've already been doing this for a year or whatever. Like when I started, this is something I know I'm going on about it. But something that really helped me was when I started was just being willing to do it for two years regardless of how it was going and to let myself judge it. Once I got to the two-year mark, which by the way, I wasn't making any money at the two-year mark. Like I was still in my own way. But by that point I was like, well, I'm doing this thing, but I allowed myself like any times that I would, you know, put my foot on the brake, so to speak, like I wouldn't post for months or things like that. Instead of thinking like, oh, now I've abandoned it and I've quit and I need to get back on track. Just like, I'm still doing the thing. Like I've never not been doing the thing. Sometimes it's looked more active than others, but I'm still doing the thing. And I'm willing to do this for two years and not judge it for that period of time. And then once I like had that time frame, instead of constantly thinking like, I should be further along, I should be further along. It just was like, I'm going to at least give it this amount of time. So now I can stop thinking about how far along I should be. And I really had this lesson from when I was doing a lot of Bikram yoga that I, and a lot of people do this with fitness habits. You're like, I really want to do this thing and I'm going to do it every single day or whatever it is. And then you fall off the wagon and all of that. And I was like, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to do it six times a week because when it was three times, I was like, oh, it's Monday. Well, maybe I'll go on Monday because I'm motivated Tuesday. Well, I could go tomorrow. So I won't go today. I could go tomorrow and kind of the whole week would go by like that. I was like, I'm gonna go six times a week and I'm gonna do it for three months before I judge whether or not I like yoga, whether or not I want to continue with yoga. Like I'm just gonna do it for three months so I can get out of this question of do I want to keep doing it? Is it working for me? I was like, I'm just gonna give it three months. And then by the time I got three months in, I was like so into it because I'd just been able to be committed without the drama about should I stay committed? And so I think that's something that's really helpful, particularly in the earlier years of business and When we can be seeing these overnight successes around us who, I mean, we all know this. I think when you really look into it, no one really is an overnight success in the way that we think they are. But when you see other people who are like overtaking you or ahead of you, or they started after you and now they're making more money or being more successful or whatever, uh, to just really get clear on like, how long are you willing to give it without seeing a result? And not in a way that lets you off the hook, but in a way that can get you out of this question of is it worth continuing
0: or not? Does that make mm, sense? Yeah, it does. Because we spend so much time in that. Should I continue? Should I not? Should I be farther? How can I be farther? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, I'm willing to go for a year, regardless yeah. of the outcome. It just like allows all of that to like not be a part of the equation anymore because you've decided it's worth it, regardless. Yeah, and then you get same- to reevaluate in a year, yeah. whatever your time frame is. Yeah. And
1: we can do this often too, with like different strategies, for example, with Instagram of like, well, I've already been posting consistently for two weeks and it's not working. So maybe I should try a different, it's like, just let yourself Uh. try for a few consistent months. And I mean, I have so much to say in consistency and follow through and and really thinking about that being following through more often than not, or we aim for about 80% follow through rather than trying to think that follow through and consistency is like perfection, or you may as well just be off the wagon and doing nothing. But to really like give yourself a time frame, and that way we can effectively evaluate and then you can actually find out what the result is and not have to make it mean something about you because when we don't do effective evaluation, we think the problem is we're not good enough when that's never the issue. So anyway, all of that to say for anyone who's trying anything to just decide ahead of time how long you're going to try it, to know it's going to be uncomfortable, to know midway you're going to want to change tact and to just be willing to stick with it for that predetermined period without judging whether or not you'll continue is so powerful because then it it changes the question in our mind and we can actually be more focused on what is important rather than should I keep doing this or should I change it or should I keep going or should I not so
0: that's for sure that's been so so helpful for me as well so thank you for sharing that Um, okay last thing I know I yes. told you we'll do an hour, so we'll, we'll, well I'm on. just chatting away, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, you're just so chatty. One star for you. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, last question. What, is, what are you lit up by really excited about recently?
1: Um, in business or in general?
0: Whatever you want to share.
1: So many things. I mean, I'm feeling very lit up about the business which is so, I feel like so proud of myself for this because with our launches, so my program, we're launching it four times this year and we've already done two. And the most recent one didn't have nearly as many signups as the first one. And because of how effective I was with my evaluation, I feel so empowered to create the results and like so able to have that bigger picture focus and and not in any shame about anything. Or I just feel very resilient and problem-solving, if that's a word, and creative and all of those things. I'm really excited about that and our next launch that we're doing in July. And then personally, I'm getting married this month um, at our home in our backyard. We've just renovated our house last year. So I'm really excited about that. And also my daughter, Lydia, who's nearly one year old, just getting to be her mom and yeah, all of that mom stuff I'm really lit up by. So yeah. So exciting. (laughs) Yes.
0: On the wedding coming up. So exciting. I hope it's such a special, magical, wonderful day. Okay. Anything else that's on your heart to share that we didn't cover? And there's so much more. I feel like I'm like, I have a zillion more questions. So go listen to Sam's (laughs) podcast. There's a lot more there. But anything else that's on your heart to share before I have you share where people can join PGSD and find you and all the things?
1: Yeah, great question. Um What's on my heart to share is you matter and there's nothing wrong with you. I think that we can just get so caught up in thinking that maybe we don't matter and maybe we're not okay and something's gone terribly wrong and it hasn't and you matter and yeah, that's what's on my heart to share. And if anyone wants to hear any more from me about all this perfectionism stuff, then my podcast, The Perfectionism Project is the best place to go. And also I'm on Instagram at That Perfectionism Project. And I also send out daily, very short, believe it or not, based on how I've chatted away yeah. in this episode, but <laughs> they're like two or three sentence long emails every day that are just a little motivational boost to help you get out of your own way and shop and do the, the brave things that you need to do. So you can go to samlobrown.com slash power. Um, if we can link that up in the show notes, that will be great. But that is where people can find more of me and really help them to get out of their own way.
0: Amazing! And if someone wants to join PGSD, where can they do that? I guess we'll put the link for that in the show notes too. But yes, yeah,
1: SamlerBrown.com. It's opening in July. Okay. Yeah, the next opening is in July. So depending on when people listen to this, if they just go to SamlerBrown.com/pgsd, they will see the page there that has all the details. You can either join the waitlist if we're not open, or if we do happen to be open, you can sign up. Uh, but yeah, that's the best place to do this work to get out of your own way and to get you done your business.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you so much for the work you're doing. You're doing really, really, really beautiful, incredible work in the world. And I just want to honor you and say, I see you and you matter. Um, So thank you so much for being here and doing this interview. And thank you everyone listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, tag us on Instagram, send us a DM, let us know what it brought up for you. Um, I'm not soliciting DMs on your behalf. So feel free (laughs) to to (laughs) decline that if you want, but you're welcome to share with me. (laughs) Um, But anyways,
1: thank you so much, Sam. This is uh, really, really
0: awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Magnetically You podcast. If this episode served you, I ask that you share it with someone who it could make a difference for or share it on social media and tag me at Magnetically You. Make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the magic. And it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on iTunes Thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart for being here and I will see you in the next episode.